Howdy, howdy, and welcome to the Run of the Mills podcast. This is your daily run through the book of Romans, and we are in Romans chapter 6. I hope you've been blessed by this so far. I certainly have. I love Romans 6, and uh, if you're just joining us and you haven't been following along the whole time, as I always said, I'd encourage you to go back and start at the beginning because the context is so incredibly important. The things that Paul is talking about, he is, as I've said before, he's he is uh, doing what we call a diatribe. He is uh, asking questions and answering questions. He's almost having a anticipating the the questions a listener might have and answering them. He's building one argument on top of another. He's making these points and then he is validating those points with Old Testament uh, examples. He is building upon uh, case by case. He'll say, if this is true, then what are the results? If this is happening, then this is the the inevitable uh, consequence. And so it's really important to understand the context. And hopefully you've been following along and you've kind of caught the context and you know that chapter one's the introduction and the, the thesis statement and Paul's words uh, about the, the heathen and the blatant obvious sinner. Uh, finishing up with this idea of those people who practice sin are deserving of death, and not only them, but also those who approve of it. You may say, "I don't do those wicked things," but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that it's bad or wrong. I, it's fine for you. You know, that's not okay. Um, then, chapter two, he talks about uh, the self-righteous, those who say, "Well, I'm not as bad as you. Uh, I'm not. I'm not one of those rotten sinners." Uh, he talks about the super-religious. Um, in chapter three, he talks about the benefits of being a Jew, um, but being a Jew doesn't save you. And he talks about how all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Chapter four, he talks about a righteousness apart from the law, uh, being justified by faith. Chapter five, he talks about this comparison to uh, to Adam, Jesus versus Adam, that sin entered the world through one man, so sin can be removed by one man. Um, and so now in chapter six, he's talking about this idea of being dead to sin. And uh, shall shall we as Christians continue to sin? Well, no, because number one, he says, well, sin has some negative consequences. And one of those is, well, death. You know, sin brings death. And, uh, and he's going to talk about that down in verse 21. And he said, he's saying, we should be dead to sin. We should be dead to sin. Sin brings death. We ought to be dead to sin. Uh, but right now he's talking about the kind of the first result of continuing in sin. And that is um, slavery. And we're going to see that more in verse 16. Um, but uh, let's just pick up where we left off last time. He said, knowing this, verse 6, and knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the old me was crucified with Jesus, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And this is just something that, that would be very obvious to the Roman listener. There were a huge number of slaves in Rome. Uh, there have been even estimates that even 80% of the population were slaves. Uh, I don't know what the true number is, but, but it was a common thing. People understood uh, what it meant to be a slave. Now, if you died, you're no longer a slave. That's just an understandable truth. Um, there's uh, there's even a movie called Spartacus where Spartacus says something along those lines that uh, you know that a slave is only free when he's dead, and that's why we're not afraid to die. Some, something along those lines. 
Um, and so he says in verse seven, for he who has died has been freed from sin. So again, he's talking about, we died with Jesus, right? We were buried with him in baptism. And so if we've died, we have been freed from sin. Okay. So if I've been freed from sin, what are the implications of that? Now, first of all, I am not free from the presence of sin, right? I am not free from the presence of sin. Sin is still around. I'm not free from the temptation to sin. That's still around. So what's he talking about? Um, prime, firstly, we know that we are free from the penalty of sin. We are no longer, uh, if you are a believer in Jesus and you have been, you have uh, received him as your savior, you are free from the penalty of sin. That being judgment and wrath, God's wrath for sin, um, eternity in hell, you are free from that. And so that's one thing we're free from. But what else? What else? So he says, he says this, and it's going to, I think this is going to clue us into exactly what he's talking about. And I'll try to try to highlight some things for you. He says, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. All right. So this is what we've been talking about. If I, I died with him, but I also am living with him. Knowing that, again, here's that word knowing. He keeps telling us these things that we're supposed to know. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Okay, Jesus died, rose again. He's not going to die again. That's unique. There are others who died and died again, right? You have those people that uh, died on the operating table. You have people like Lazarus in uh, in the New Testament that Jesus rose um that just brought out of the tomb and he came back to life. Well, Lazarus was going to die again. Um, but he says, Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. So death doesn't rule over him. He goes in verse 10, he's going to continue to explain this. He says for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now that's kind of an odd statement. It might be a little confusing. Uh, so I'm going to read it again. And I'm going to read it with verse 11 and hopefully that'll help us out. Verse 10, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. So his death was for sin one time for all sin, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, right? Because remember, we're talking about this whole idea of us crucified with him, us buried with him, us resurrected with him. So he says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So he says, reckon, this is kind of an interesting term. Again, my Bible has a little number one next to it, which tells me, go look in the center column. When I get to the, the second center column, I see another translation for this word is consider. Um, but really the Greek word is speaking of an accounting term, like add, adding this up you know, come to the, you know, do the math problem. Think about this. If all these things are true, what does it add up to? That you yourselves are dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what am I living for now? I'm not living for the things I used to live for. Now I'm living for him. I'm living for, for Jesus. That's what I'm living for. And this is one of those great things that I think as Christians, we need to continually go back to is, is my motivation that the reason I do the things I do, why do I pray? Why do I read my Bible? Why do I go to church? It's because 
I'm alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I, I, I live for him because I died with him and I'm resurrected with him because I have newness of life. He died for me so that I might have life and that life more abundantly. And that life uh, is only more abundant if I'm living it differently than I did prior. It's not abundant life if I'm living exactly the same way that I did before that just brought death and pain and shame and, you know, enslavement and, and uh, sorrow and resentment and, you know, just it, on and on the list. Uh, it's different because I can now walk in, I'm a new creation. I walk in newness of life. And so what's different? I live for him. And so I, that's one of those things that I need to continually uh, check myself out. And say, you know, why am I doing what I do? Am I doing it because I love the Lord? Because I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to be lazy. It's easy for me to be lazy. Being lazy requires no effort. I hear about those people that are like, oh, I just can't lay around and do nothing. I got to go. I got to be, I got to be doing things. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I'm really good at lying around and doing nothing. But just didn't say me to lie around and do nothing. And so I got to get up. And I got to move forward. And I'm always blessed when I live my, my life for him. When I put my day in action, I say, what I'm doing today, I'm doing for him. What I do with my kids today, I'm doing for him. I'm, I'm living my life for his glory and for, because I love him. Um, the next verse is a therefore, which really is a nice thing because it builds on what we're talking about. But you'll have to tune in next time. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.